the mind behind master-slave lifestyle. What makes a good master or a bad master? And what is the difference between a noble or a vile slave? And do you know the difference? Discover your warrior, magician, lover, and king. Journey into the light and shadow of master-slave relationships and how this can allow you to go deeper than you ever thought you could. A new series of episodes released every month between the interviews. What's your shadow? What's your ball to the dark side? In this episode, we're going to cover the mystery and contradiction of slave as a magician. The part of the slave that allows them to be open to training and to be grown by the master. But also the part of the slave that protects them and stops them from being hurt. Even to the point that they can't move forward in places they should do. And then the shadow of shame and how this can destroy our lives. In this episode we will cover all of this mystery Slave as a magician can be broken down into several areas and we'll start with openness to training. A critical part of Master as a Magician, something we covered in the previous Light and Shadow episode, is to help guide and transform a slave. And this means for a slave, they need to be open to the transformation. This is not always the case, which is something we'll cover a little later in the Shadow section. No slave is born perfect for a master, and a slave needs a master to help them develop their submission and slavery. This can only happen if the slave is open to being developed and trained. Many masters, when vetting a slave, will check for the slave's ability to be transformed, as it's so critical to training a slave. If a slave's fixed in their point of view or unwilling to be developed, they can never change to serve their masters well. This is why a good master will test to see how open a slave is to being trained by a master. One of the things I always recommend people to do when they're first starting to talk, especially if it's online, is to give the slave some small actions. For instance, you're going to meet at a coffee shop and ask the slave to come up with three options. So often, a slave cannot be bothered to do that, and it's often a sign that the slave is not ready to being trained. If they can't do something simple like that, they certainly will not be open to going deeper into submission. Another part of slave as a magician is growth and reflection. One of the central tenets of the Light and Shadow series is that both master and slave need to be on a journey of growth and reflection. Therefore, a slave must cultivate a growth mindset and one where they learn from their experiences. To move from a shadow into our light is a lifetime process. There isn't a start or an end. This is as important when the slave is not owned or is seeing a master. It can be easy to fall into a trap that you're waiting for the master to come and save you, or serving a master means you can escape from your own problems but many of our issues can only be solved by ourselves. The master can guide and support, but the master can't do the heavy lifting of the internal growth of the slave. Only the slave can do that. 
It is also worth saying that this is as important for masters as well. So although this is a slave episode, growth and reflection are as crucial for masters. I've often encountered masters who decide to be masters so they no longer have to change and deal with the uncomfortableness of growth. When a master does this, they're essentially deciding to stay in the shadow. Another aspect of this is when challenging issues arise for a master and rather than learning and growing, they blame everyone else around them for the issues. And by blaming others, the master then does not need to change as everyone else did something wrong, not them. And I'm sure there's quite a few masters out there that would also think similarly of a slave. Essentially here, we need to take ownership for working on our own shit. We need to keep on improving ourselves regardless of if we have a master or slave. And then when we do find that master, we still need to be open for that growth that the master will start to channel instead. Another aspect of slave as a magician, and this is a really important one, is the safety officer. This is the part of ourselves that protects us and keeps us safe. So for example, if we had a difficult childhood with much fear, we would often develop an active magician at that time. But this magician works as what is known as the safety officer. It finds ways to protect us from a very young age. Now as gay men, many of us will have felt unsafe in our homes, in our families, in our schools and in society. So many of us can have strong safety officers due to this. I was once talking to a friend about this and when I was talking about this concept they said oh yes I call this my wolf the wolf was their protection and for example I actually call mine the protection the safety officer comes into play in different situations such as when we join a new workplace or when we go to a fetish bar or fetish conference for the first time or potentially when we meet a new master this can be very strange because as slaves we want someone to take power over us and despite that attraction given power to someone can be terrifying and so the safety officer will come and protect us now it is important to note that although the safety officer is there to help protect us it can also get in the way of what we want the reason for this is that many of the safety officers tactics come from when we were young sometimes very young and it might be that it's these tactics we use when we were five or even 15 years old and we're now using as grown adults. But of course, these tactics no longer serve us well. And so often we need to do the work to heal our shadow in these areas and then create tactics that better suit us now that we're older. For example, if you do find there's a lot of fear in your safety officer activates when you're visiting a master for the first time, maybe you need to sit down and decide what safety tactics are best to suit you now, rather than the ones that you are using. We can also be very wounded as a slave. Um, you know, slaves can be wounded by a master. A personal story from me, um, a master I once fell in love with used some very powerful manipulator skills on me. And he was essentially creating a complex, confusing web of logic of why I was struggling in his stable. 
If I look back at my journals at the time, I'd find entry after entry of this confusing timer who was teaching me why my views of slavery were so wrong. A year and a half later, along with a lot of therapy, I found myself in my flat and suddenly all of this confusion and all of the cobwebs blew away. And I realized a very important and essential truth. I had been a piece of meat for the stable, something to keep one of his favorite slaves in the stable. But when we grew too close, due to his urging, I then became a risk to the slave leaving. So he needed to find a way to move me out of the stable while keeping the other slave. And he did this by manipulating my mind so much that my behavior became erratic. And then he could push me out of the stable with no consequences to the favorite slave. I have also worked with other slaves who have had similar wounds from a manipulator master. They all describe a similar process of finding these cobwebs of manipulation blowing away at a certain point in their mind to discover the truth that their master had completely manipulated them. Now, since my personal experience, I still experience a powerful fear from my safety officer when I serve a master for the first time. And it is important to note that the main gateway emotion to access the magician is fear. So this is why fear, safety officer, and magician come together. Now, after I had this experience with the master, I now have this powerful fear whenever I serve someone for the first time. It can be quite debilitating, and it has stopped me in the past from actually serving or playing more than I would like to because that fear is so big and my safety officer is so strong. After a while, I realized that rather than trying to ignore the safety officer, rather than fighting the safety officer, or rather than judging it and trying to be the self-critical parent, I really needed to sit down and have a discussion with my fear. And by really sitting down and having this discussion, I could get important information on protecting myself. But rather than, let's say, putting the safety officer into the driver's seat and deciding what to do, I could then stay in control. This is why, for instance, with my course in the fourth module, there's some very specific tools on how to deal with fear. So if this is something that you're struggling with yourself, you can look at this course for more information. The links will be in the show notes. Our safety officer does keep us safe, but it also stops us from moving forward. For example, in finding a master, I know that I had the fear overwhelm me and I know with others the fear can actually overwhelm them. As our safety officer keeps us safe, it can also stop us from moving forward. For example, in finding a master, perhaps the fear has overwhelmed us. It might be that the slave is just scared. Or it might be that this is a slave that's been wounded by a master previously. Now, how can we move forward if we either have a wounded slave self or our safety officer becomes very powerful? Well, the important thing is to remember the magician is also the problem-solving part of ourselves, something I covered in the master section. So although the safety officer can be the source of our fear and stop us from moving forward, it is also the place where it can give us the solution to help us move forward. 
It can help us find solutions in how we protect ourselves while still taking that step in achieving our purpose to find a master or to go deeper into submission. I have found sitting down and speaking with my fear and my safety officer to be a good source of information. It provides me with new perspectives and by generally listening to the fears, it allows me to change approaches. And I found in doing so, I've been able to make more significant decisions and feel safer and more secure. For example, last year, I actually moved in with masters in another continent for two months. So if you are having trouble with fear or you have a very strong safety officer, sit down and have a true conversation where you listen to it and then make decisions on what it says rather than trying to repress, attack or ignore it. And if you do need further help, check out my course. We've just covered Slave as a Magician and we're now going to cover the Shadow Slave as a Magician. But before I do that, I want to go a bit more into what is just the shadow of the general magician. The magician's shadow is that you're bad and deficient somehow, that something is wrong with you. Now, this can be the hard stone voice inside you telling you that you're wrong or that what you want is wrong. It is our inner critic and it can be very harsh. And when we really listen to that, you can believe you are awful in some way when you listen to this voice. And how this manifests is with shame. So you will often experience this feeling of being wrong and deficient as shame. And many of us have also faced this with our kinks and fetishes, along with wanting to be a master slave. Slaves especially can struggle with this concept of being a slave in today's society. I often get clients and other people sending me emails asking if one can be a leader at work and then a slave at home. Now the answer is yes, you can. But many of us struggle with that contradiction so much that we don't want to move forward to find a master. Masters tend not to have as much shame as they're taking a dominant role and society often approves of dominant people. But I have also coached masters who did experience the shame of wanting to take control and power over someone, as of course this can also be frowned upon in today's society. However, as gay men, shame can also manifest in a different way. And this is a concept called false validation. So as gay identified men, we can experience the shame from our sexuality. And that leads us to live a life that we do not find validating. In the book of Velvet Rage, the author Alan Downs talks about three stages of coming out. Stage one is being overwhelmed by shame. So you're overwhelmed with shame for being gay. And it's important to note that this is an all-encompassing shame. We know that we're not safe in our families in some way. We know that we're not safe at school in some way. And so rather than it's shame for a little period of time, it's shame over a long, prolonged period, which is something very specific to someone who is gay or another member of the LGBTQ+. Now in stage two, what we do is we start to compensate for that shame. You find tactics that allow yourself to fit in, such as being successful at work, but this leads 
to force validation that actually does not fulfill you. So what happens is we've found some way of doing something that allows us to fit in a bit more, to allow that shame to go away a bit. And because it has such an amazing effect, we do this more and more and more. But it might not be something that truly fulfills us. It's just something that has helped to alleviate the shame. And so this leads to false validation. Now, over time, we can find that that becomes, you know, more shallow, that what we're doing doesn't fulfill us and we can't figure out why. And this is why a lot of gay identified men will then go into things such as drug addiction, sex addiction, suicide, depression, overworking. There's lots of different things that suddenly come out because we're not feeling validated and we don't know why. We can disassociate from who we truly are and this can have devastating consequences on our our emotional health and psyche. What needs to happen is we then need to move to stage three, which is cultivating authenticity, which is finding what truly validates and fulfills you and brings you joy. Now, this might seem simple, but quite often a lot of us are not aware of what brings us joy. And so there is quite a journey here in doing this. We need to find out what truly gives us the joy to break out of false validation. This can be in finding our passion. This is something I'm going to cover in a later episode, which is in the King chapter. But... This can also be in truly living in the way we were meant to be, such as indulging in our master or slave selves. In summary, to fit in, we can ignore what we need that will truly give us joy. And this means we never live to our full potential. We never feel fulfilled or joyful or live the life we honestly should. And if we have the pull to the master-slave lifestyle, we might never take those steps to discover what we want, as we're still trying to fit in with this false validation, and we find ourselves living a life without joy. Instead, we must take that step forward into our fear and look at how we can move forward to find what we truly need, be that living our purpose or as a master or slave. Another aspect of the magician's shadow is to overinflate ourselves. So this means we inflate ourselves to think we're better than those around us, to always think we are the best and to look down on others and their opinions and ideas. This can link up with the perfecter in the warrior where we want to be perfect and better than all around us and it can create quite a toxic mix. And this also can be something that can come out from not feeling you're living the life you really should. Now, if we move to the more specific parts of the shadow slave as a magician, the shadow slave as a magician can be broken down into a number of different sections. And we'll start with what I've called the innocent one and the manipulator. So when a master trains a slave, the master often works to bring out the true slave, including the slave submission. A natural part of this process is that the ego of the slave or the mainstream human part of the slave is being trained to let go of control. Another way you can look at this is that the ego is being harnessed to focus more on the master. However, the slave can push back on this. It's a natural reaction of the ego in this process. 
so the slave can act stupid, pretending not to understand the master. This is a way for the slave to keep power and control rather than give it up. This is not the essence of slavery, and a slave should try not to fall into this trap. Riv manipulation. A slave might use manipulation to try and gain control from the master. Some examples of this are using their body and looks to try and get their way, or using logic disagreeing with the master and getting the master to do something different through logic. It is not, let's say the master has made the wrong decision, just that the slave would like a different decision and is now trying to bring this about. Or the slave wants to approach a task in their way rather than in the master's. It's worth noting that playing innocent and manipulative can happen on a conscious level or a more subconscious level. To lose control is hard, and often when one truly experiences this, it can be uncomfortable to the slave. Fantasy is one thing, but the reality is another. This is why training is so important. Sometimes a slave's natural defenses might bring up some of these tactics. I know I've done this in the past. It's only been through the reflection of experiences, meditation and mindfulness that I have moved out from the shadow. So if you are a slave or you want to be a slave, be aware of this part of the shadow. You can do it more readily than you think. I would advise being open and honest with a master when you are struggling rather than trying to manipulate them. It's more ethical and honest. The master might still decide to proceed with their original decision, but rather than creating confusion, you create more honest and straightforward communication between yourself and the master. And it also allows the master to know what's going on so they can alter their tactics to help you better. Another aspect of the shadow slave as a magician is the escaper. The pathway to becoming a slave can be very tempting to escape from issues a slave has in their life. The thinking can be that the master will save them and solve all of their issues. Or by moving in with a master, a slave can leave their issues behind. Unfortunately, this does not work. The problems will come and find you. Many of our problems are internal. Often, we're dealing with past hurts or traumas or hiding from issues we may have. It doesn't matter where one runs to, they will find us. And this can be true even in the fantasy of being a caged dungeon slave. There are no distractions when sitting in a cage compared to the real world. Anything we've pushed away or tried to hide from will come and play in our minds. I had mentioned this master who had manipulated me when I was talking about the safety officer. Now, after this had happened, I tried to avoid the issues that had come up with this by trying to find other masters to serve. In one situation, I came to Berlin, I was still living in London then, to be a caged bondage slave for a master. I found myself once caged, unable to distract myself from the issues and trauma that this manipulative master had created. It was a terrible experience and eventually the master agreed to let me go. This is the only time I've ever pulled out of a multi-day experience. Um, so I hope this gives you an idea of how awful it was. What had happened was that the caging created an experience where I could no longer escape the issues. And I really left humbled by this experience and with the knowledge I could no longer hide from the issues and trauma and that I really needed to start 
the journey to heal from what had happened. This can also be true of slaves that find a relationship where they do not need to work, but stay in the master's household. Often you'll find yourself on a journey of needing to heal from the trauma and shadow of the past, as your mind now has the time and space to deal with it. In addition, when doing intense BDSM or bondage, you can often find this intensity can trigger and relate to your problems. A slave can also look to the master as a rescuer or a persecutor, either a master to rescue them from all of their issues or as a persecutor to carry on attacking them as they have been in the past. Both master and slave need to watch out for this. A slave who has been a victim might consciously or subconsciously seek a persecutor in their master. Uh, this all comes from something known as the drama triangle. It can be easy for the master to move into the shadow of the persecutor based on the subconscious need of the slave looking for a persecutor. One of the central principles of this series of podcast episodes or of the book I've written is that both slave and master can only find success through growth, reflection and development. Therefore, a slave must have the courage to do the heavy lifting of their own development to deal with their past hurts and traumas. A master cannot do it for them. A master can act as a guide and facilitator, but the slave needs to do the hard work. Now, I just want to be clear. I'm not saying that one must be perfect and have no issues before you find a master. Often our traumas and hurts can only be healed in a relationship. But when this does occur, the slave must do their work to heal and not assume the master can do it for them or that they can escape from it. There's also a tension between the slave's needs for structure and direction by a master and a master who is saving them. We must be aware of this gray area between the two and mindful where we might inadvertently fall into the shadow. Something else which is important around trying to fight control or trying to escape from control is actually being obedient. This sounds a little strange, but true slavery is often around submission and submission is around opening yourself up and connecting more. But if you don't feel you can open up to someone, maybe your safety officer is trying to protect you, you might just go for obedience instead. Because if you just obey and try and obey as well as possible, without opening yourself up, you can get away with not really going into deeper levels of submission. But this is a form of escape. And so it is worth noting that if you do struggle to open up and connect with a master, but you do use obedience as a way of hiding from wanting to connect, even though part of you does want to connect as well, you might be operating from the shadow of the innocent one, the manipulator or the escaper. So over this episode, we've covered slave as a magician. We've covered the importance of growth and being open to transformation. And we've also gone deeper into understanding the shadow part of the magician, which is shame. And then we've gone into some of the specific areas that shadow slave as a magician can have. In terms of actions to grow your magician as a slave, it's very similar to the master. In the previous episode, I mentioned about studying and learning and also to be creative. 
if you are really into wanting to be a slave, you can focus this on things about how to do good service to the master. For instance, learning about how butlers work, how to do laundry really well. There's all sorts of things that you can do around the slave area, but you can also do this in just normal parts of your life as well. I also just want to come back to shame, something I've spoken about before and I just want to repeat again that slaves in particular can struggle with shame. How can they be something that society looks down and believes is wrong? How can they be open about what they need when they fear what their friends and other people think about them? Many slaves have contacted me over the years struggling with the idea. I'd like to go to a phrase by Brenny Brown. If you put shame in a Petri dish, it needs three things to grow exponentially. Secrecy, silence and judgment. If you can put the same amount of shame in a Petri dish and douse it with empathy, it can't survive. Therefore, we must find others to talk to about these thoughts and feelings to overcome shame. Going online and speaking with people who celebrate and affirm you can be an excellent first step. I still remember the validation I felt when I spoke to my first master and he replied calling me slave. But I do also suggest if it's possible, meeting people in person. Examples are heading to a fetish bar. Many will have a night for people who are new to the scene. For example, in London, there's SM Gays. Uh, Kralgeist in Berlin does workshops. You can also think about joining a BDSM educational group. You can head to a fetish conference. I have a fondness for Claw in Cleveland as it specializes in education and connection and it makes it much easier to know people. And then there's also this idea of joining a master slave group. There are many master slave groups out there. You can go to mass.net. Um, but Master Slave Lifestyle, we also have a virtual group that you can join and chat on Discord. And there's also a support group as well. I also suggest a master or slave suffering from shame work on the understanding on who they are. Who are you as a person? What are your values and beliefs? And what fulfills you and brings you joy by truly understanding yourself as a person and creating a solid inner identity, shame will naturally start to decrease. I also do offer coaching and a very large part of my coaching process is getting people to really understand their identity. I call this a accelerator of growth and the clients that I do this with find it revolutionary and by getting someone to really establish and understand what their identity is this really increases their confidence in who they are and it significantly starts to reduce the shame that they have in certain aspects of themselves. For more actions on how you can work on your magician and to find out more about The Light and Shadow, you can purchase a book I've written called Light and Shadow at masterslavelifestyle.com book. You can also take a free quiz to test your own Light and Shadow at masterslavelifestyle.com quiz. You can support the podcast by becoming a patron member while also getting early access to the podcast episodes. Thank you for listening. And in the next episode, we're going to cover Master as a Lover. Mm-hmm.